welcome to church tonight, and we're glad that you're here. And wow, David, you're just having a time right there, aren't you, tonight? And so the fastest way to end stuff in the room is for stuff like that to happen. So we, um, yeah, so. But I will, I will clean the floor. Caroline, I'll clean the floor later on. So. That was the one thing I did before pastoring was I was a carpet cleaner. So people are going to look on Sunday to see if I actually clean that spot very good. But I'll have it clean before Sunday. So, And um, be careful with your drinks there, please. And so that will be a good thing. Accidents happen. I know that. And so I think in my house, I was teasing the other day, I think the, the most crying that's happened in our house has been over spilled milk probably more than anything else. And so, how many of you just don't enjoy when your kids spill milk? That's uh, the way it smells and everything else, yeah. And so, a couple quick announcements that we're going to go through. Our Christian school, Friday's the last day for the year. That's pretty good, right? Just about there. And so, a day and a half really to go. Somebody has a special birthday tomorrow, Rebecca. And so, we won't say, but it's another... It's not a 6-0, it's not an 8-0, it's somewhere in between there. It's right in the middle of that there. And so happy early birthday to you. And then Mary, you got a birthday on Saturday, right? Yeah, happy birthday to you a little bit early. And then this coming Sunday, um, after both morning services, our Christian school, there's going to be a bake sale, and we're raising money. So if you want, I'm sure that these treats are going to be the best treats in all the world. I would encourage you to buy some of them. And I'll say this. Let's say you're like, I don't need to eat that stuff. I agree with you. I'm probably not going to eat it either. But you could still spend money and give something towards it. So that would be a huge help. And so that will be this Sunday after both services. And then we're also celebrating any graduates this coming Sunday morning. So high school graduates, college graduates, and anything in between. So you say, well, I graduated from fifth grade. No, that doesn't quite count. If you promote it, you know, I guess, I know in our world today, a lot of that stuff's changed, but when I was a kid, when I was a kid, sixth grade, you promoted, eighth grade, you promoted, in kindergarten, there's a graduation. So I'll say any of those we will celebrate on Sunday, and so that'll be good. And then Sunday afternoon will be our um, evening service at 2 p.m., it's going to be our high school graduation as well. Are you guys ready? No, they're getting there. I just noticed the closer we get to it, they, you guys just seem more nervous. I don't know what it is. So, but uh, they'll do good. They'll have a, they have, they're going to give a little speech. I got almost all your baby pictures put together, and I put a few interesting pictures in each of them for both of you and for Caitlin, too. So I took care of all of you, and so that will be fun. And so... I can't be bribed and, uh, and bought off if you don't want those pictures in there. You can see me later about that. So, all right, and that'll be two on Sunday. And so that's about it. We're going to be tonight, really this lesson, this Bible doctrine is talking about the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I literally could spend about three months on this topic and not have enough time to go over it. So what I'm going to do tonight is we're going to go through the basics about the Holy Spirit, and then next Wednesday night, I know it, it might not be technically considered a doctrine, but we're going to talk about the importance of a Christian being filled with the Spirit. 
And so the next two weeks, we're going to take some time and be d- dealing with both of these topics. The interesting thing is, now think about this with me tonight. We can look at the Bible, and we understand a lot about what the Bible says about God. We understand a lot about what the Bible says about Jesus. But I really think the most neglected and the most misunderstood of the Godhead is the Holy Spirit. But I want you to understand something tonight. He should be the most known. Do you know why? He lives inside of you. He indwells you. That Well, if you're not saved, sorry, he's not there. But if you are saved, which I think the majority of folks here are tonight, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. You should know him better than you know God or Jesus, in all honesty. There are a lot of churches that have lots of different beliefs about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about some of that, because Bible doctrine, when it comes to the Spirit, there's a lot of differences, a lot of things that people say, a lot of things that people do. And we follow what the Bible says. We're Bible believers for a reason. And so, as we get ready to go tonight, there are a ton of verses, tons of verses. But what I thought we would do, which would be fun, is we're going to start with the adults. If you'd be willing to use your Bible and look up a verse for me, I will give you a verse, and through the message, I'm going to ask for that verse. When I get to that verse, if you have it, then I want you to read it for us. So I'm going to start with adults, and then I will move on to kids if, the, if they have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, don't even raise your hand, okay? Make that easy, because what, what's going to happen is everyone's going to get up and try and find a Bible in each row, and then, and see, this will really tell us who brought their Bible to church or not. And an adult's thinking, I got my phone, though. I can still get a Bible up on there. But we don't know if you're looking at a ball game or if you're playing a video game or looking at the Bible. But God does, so just remember that, and he's who matters. So, all right, are we ready? So if, you're, if you want to help me tonight, with, and you say, I, I'm willing to read a verse, you raise your hand. All right, uh, Caroline, we'll start with you on the front. Acts 10, 19 through 21. Edna, you had your hand up. Acts 7, 51. Who else had their hand up in the second row? Joyce, we'll go Acts 5.3. Russ, do you have your hand up? Hebrews 10.29. Nick, you're good? All right, so let's do Ephesians 4.30. And then anybody else going back? All right, Annette, let's go with uh, Mark 3.28 and 29. I got a bunch, so anybody else in the section? Rebecca, we will give you Acts 8.29. Acts 8.29. And so if you're wondering, and you're like, I forgot which one you have, if you look at your notes there, you can go down the line, and you see they're kind of in order right there. So we got Acts 8.29. Let's go to this side over here. You two are technically adults. Do you guys want to read? Are you good? Either one? No? Okay. So, all right, Ron, let's give you John 14.26. Anybody else on this side over here? Allison, 1 Corinthians 12.11. Anybody else? And you don't be, it's okay. You don't have to do it. So, anybody in the side room over here? All right. Gary, let's go with um, 1 Corinthians 2.10. Or actually, did I do John 16.8 yet, or no? I think I skipped that one. Let's go John 16.8. John 16.8. All right, anybody else in the side room? All right, Marion, we'll give you 1 Corinthians 2.10. All right, now some of the younger folks that can read well, okay? So that way we can understand it. You've got to be able to speak up. 
So Avon, I'm going to give you John 15, 26. David, Acts 16, 6, and 7. We'll, we'll see how you do there. All right, Jenna, 1 John 5, 6. Abby, Romans 8, 2. Josiah, you're, well, are, you think you're good? His parents are both looking at him. And so if not, his dad will help him. So John 7, 38 and 39. John 7, 38 and 39. Anybody else? All right, anybody else? All right, we'll start there and we'll see where we get, all right? And I might have to do a second round through there. But we are going to look tonight at the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so tonight we're going to look at, and we got to understand that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. Not third as in less in order. They are all three just as important as one another. We're going to look at, we're going to break up the Trinity a little bit tonight as well. These are some major doctrines that we're looking at, and we're going to take some time to go through each of these tonight. So number one, if you're following along in the outline, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. People don't have a problem understanding the Holy Spirit is God, since the Holy Spirit's referred to as the Spirit of God. Matthew 3, 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of who? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And so when we talk about this, though, and you talk about, well, he's a spirit. He's not a person. I'm going to explain a little bit more as we go through here tonight. But I want you to understand something. The Holy Spirit can stand on his own without the Godhead, but he is part of the Godhead. Does that make sense? you got to understand that Jesus can stand alone. The Father can stand alone. But all three of them make up the Godhead. Say, that doesn't all make perfect sense. That's because we're not God, and you're not going to fully understand that. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But as we go through here, and we look at this, and we think about it, letter A, we see the Holy Spirit is an independent person separate from the Father and the Son. John 14, 26, it says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you, all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. You see right there, he's he, the Holy Spirit. You see that mentioned about him. It's not an it. He's not just a force. He's an independent person separate from the Father and the Son. Now as we talk about that and we think about it, John 14, 16 says, And I pray the Father that he give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. And so as we look at this tonight, we see the Holy Spirit is an independent person, separate from the Father and the Son. Letter B, we see the Spirit possesses attributes of a person. Now as we think on that, and we think about the fact we could go through, the Holy Spirit has a mind. Romans 8 talks about that. The Holy Spirit searches all things. The Holy Spirit knows the thoughts of God. The Holy Spirit has emotions, the Bible tells us. The Holy Spirit has the ability to determine or act decisively. He is on his own. So as we talk about those things, and as we dive a little deeper tonight, we get to letter C, 
And I'm moving a little bit on some of these things, but you'll see where we're going. The Holy Spirit can be responded to. The Holy Spirit can be responded to. So as we talk about the Holy Spirit, He can be, first of all, He can be obeyed. Who has Acts 10, 19 through 21? Go ahead. So the Holy Spirit told Peter to go to Cornelius' house. When you see the Holy Spirit, he can be obeyed. Number two, he can be resisted. Acts 7.51, you read that for us. So Stephen was preaching there. And Stephen was preaching the gospel to them. And they were stiff-necked and resisted God. You see that with the Holy Spirit? He can be resisted. He can be obeyed. He can be lied to. So Acts 5, verse number 3. And so we know that they lied about, and could we get into all the, do we know all the details? Maybe they said they were going to give a certain amount. They gave it all, and they kept back some for themselves. Whatever the case is, they lied to the Holy Spirit. And we see that the Holy Spirit can be obeyed. He can be resisted. He can be lied to. Hebrews 10, 29. See this, so you see the spite of the Spirit insulting the Spirit? You can insult the Spirit. Next, number five. We see the fact that the Spirit can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30. Whoever's got that, let's read that one. So you can grieve the Spirit. Now, Ephesians was written to save people. Do you know, as a saved believer of God tonight, you can grieve the Spirit of God? Did you know that? You can by your actions. He can be grieved. Let's keep on going there. He can be in Mark 3, verse 28 and 29. Who has that one? Is that you, Annette? See that the Holy Spirit can be blasphemed? So, if he's just a force, not all these things could be possible. He can be obeyed. He can be resisted. He can be lied to. He can be insulted. He can be grieved. He can be blasphemed. The Holy Spirit. Let's go to letter D. The Holy Spirit demonstrates the actions of a person. So, what do you mean by that? Well, they're listed right there for you, and I, we have verses, so as we go through, if these are your verses, let's read those. But we see the Holy Spirit, He speaks. 
Who has Acts 8.29? Go ahead, Rebecca. So you see the what did the what did the spirit tell Philip to go do? Go to the Ethiopian eunuch. He speaks. He moves. Number two, he teaches. John fourteen twenty six. We mentioned this verse earlier, but if you've got John fourteen twenty six, go ahead and read that for us. see the Holy Spirit teaches us? You know, the greatest teacher of the Bible? Are you right? I hear people say often, there are so many great teachers out there, and there are. There are, so, there are a lot of good teachers, but do you know the greatest teacher of the Bible? The Holy Spirit. So I would encourage you as you study, the, do you know the Spirit of God moved those the pin the words? He literally, they came from the Spirit? Am I wrong on that statement? I don't think so. So I think a great thing to do before you read the Bible is pray that out of Psalm 119, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you get something from your Bible reading. When is the last time you asked the Spirit to do that? He wrote it, and he lives inside of you. It would help. He teaches. How about this one? He distributes spiritual gifts. That's what the Spirit does. 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 11. Who's ever got that one? Go ahead and read that. So do you see the fact that the gifts that the Spirit gives out, the spiritual gifts that we have, the Holy Spirit distributes those? And he gives to whomever. And you might say, well, it's not fair that someone's got more spiritual gifts than me. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives those out. And maybe that's just how it worked out for you. And maybe you do have more that you just don't realize. Maybe you're ignorant to it, like verse number one of that same chapter talks about. But we'll talk maybe more about that later on. But he's the one who distributes spiritual gifts. Next, he convicts the world of sin. The Bible tells us in John 16, verse number eight. You got that? Go ahead. Before you got saved, and whatever the case may be, if you were in church, if someone was telling you about the Lord, whatever it was, there was a conviction that took place that you needed a Savior. That conviction came from the Spirit of God. That, you've got to understand something, in order to be saved, well, it's just, and I'm, uh, you know, there's got to be some conviction that starts. And the Spirit of God's the one who brings the conviction into your life. And uh, it's just a wonderful fact that as a dead man, I can still get convicted from the Spirit of God. A dead spirit can get convicted by the Holy Spirit. Think about that one. That's what grace is all about. And faith and all those things. But he's the one who convicts the world of sin. That's what, Remember how we read earlier about those in uh, Jerusalem, how they resisted Stephen's message? He was trying to convict them of their need and they didn't want to hear it. They were resisting. Number five, we see that the Holy Spirit, he searches. 1 Corinthians 2.10, who has that verse? 1 Corinthians 2.10. I 
And so, and there you go again. You want to know more about God? The greatest source in all the world is the Holy Spirit. Great place to go. He searches. We keep on going here. He testifies. John fifteen twenty six. And this is where. And who's got John fifteen twenty six? Avon, go ahead. Now, I want you for a second, I will, I'm going to cover something here real quick. I want everyone to go to that. Well, if you're holding your spot for another verse because we're to the kids, you hold your place right where you're at. But if you are someone else with the Bible and you want to look at this, I'd like you to look at this verse here. John 15 and verse 26. One of the problems we have today in some realms of Christianity is, and uh, I'd be careful how I word different things that I say, in the Pentecostal movement, this is a big area right here. And uh, in all reality, the Pentecostal movement hasn't even been around that long, less than 100 years. But it did start. Azusa Street Revival is one of the places it started, good old California. But one of the things that we hear, and I hear I, a while back, one of our, we have a ministry in our church, we used to, we go into the prisons. They go into the Chino prison. And so when I became pastor, I didn't realize our church had a prison ministry. And so one day Rick came to me and said, hey, did you know you're technically the head of the prison ministry? I'm like, what prison ministry? He's like, oh, we have a prison ministry. And he's like, there's another group that goes in with us, and so you probably should have a meeting with all of us sometime. I'm like, hmm, okay. One of those things I just didn't know anything about. So I'm like, all right, we're going to have a meeting together. And this group that was with us, they were really big on the spiritual, and spiritual gifts are important. This is the problem we have. You know how I mentioned before, you got the churches that are all truth and no grace, and then you have the all grace churches and no truth, and you try to find a, ha a good spot, be balanced like the Lord. The same thing with spiritual gifts. You have those that spiritual gifts are the end all, and there are some out there that believe that unless you have certain gifts, you're not even saved. There are churches in our town that I'm not going to get into tonight, and that's that some of those people were part of this church. And they, if you did not have gifts of the Spirit evident, you were not saved. And then that's the last time they went in under our name to the prison, because I, that's not Bible. But this is what they do, and this is the thing. So you got the opposite end where we don't talk anything about it, but it's such a scriptural matter, it needs to be talked about. But you've got Bible believers today that are scared to talk on the topic of the Holy Spirit, but what we need more than anything today in our lives, what we need today is the filling of the Spirit. And you used to hear a lot in the 70s and 80s of preaching on the being filled with the Spirit of God. You rarely hear it at all today. And that's, that's a shame. You wonder why our churches and why our people are a mess. It might be that if we just got filled with the Spirit of God, it would solve most of our problems. You know, this is, let's, let, I'm getting into next week's stuff, but it's okay. I know where I'm going, I think. We, we go to Ephesians 5, 18, and be not drunk with wine, weren't as excess, but be filled with the Spirit. 
One of the sad things I see happening today, and, I, and I'm just going to say it, and hopefully I'm not going to offend anybody, I hear a lot of churches use that verse, but what they focus on is don't get drunk. That is mentioned, and drunkenness is sin. Stay far away from it. Don't let alcohol fool you. There have been many mighty that, have, and the Bible even says it's not for, there's so much, we are going to talk a little bit more about that next week. But I hear more churches talk about the first half of the verse, and they leave off the entire second half, but be filled with the Spirit. You know, this is what people do in this world today when they're having a tough time, when life is tough, and they're just going through it. A lot of times they will turn to a bottle, or if it's not a bottle, they'll use some recreational stuff. And we can go down all those things. I want you to understand something much better than a bottle of alcohol, much better than some recreational smoking stuff, whatever the case may be, much better than all those things is the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God is not some temporary thing that could ruin your entire life. The Spirit of God could change your life, and He could help you have a better marriage. No bottles ever helped someone have a better marriage. It's never happened. Hey, you could have a better family, not by a bottle. I've seen families torn apart by a bottle. Oh, but I've seen families that the Holy Spirit of God gets into their life, and He changes everything in their life. You want to change your work? Get filled with the Spirit of God. You want to change your life? Get filled with the Spirit of God. But, and we need more preaching on that, and we're going to talk about more next week. But as we look at this, this is what gets me. The Bible is clear right here. Jesus says these words, chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Comforter, that is the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of who? Of Jesus. In our modern Holy Spirit movements today, the Holy Spirit testifies of the Holy Spirit. And that's not what the Bible says the Spirit's going to do. Now, I'm not saying that they're not saved, and I'm not saying those things, because only God knows hearts. But what I'm saying is the Holy Spirit only testifies of Jesus. Say, well, I want proof of that. Keep coming on Sunday nights as we go through the book of Acts. Because all that the Spirit uses those men to do is to testify of Jesus. Never once do I see them go up to someone else and say, hey, what gift do you possess? Now Paul says, don't be ignorant of your gifts. And use the gifts that the Spirit gives you for the glory of God. And that's important. But the Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus. The Holy Spirit does not build up himself. He builds up Jesus. That's what the Bible teaches us right here. The Holy Spirit also, he guides and directs. Acts 16, verse 6 and 7. Who has those verses? David, is that you? All right, can you read them out loud for us, buddy? actually did a better job reading some of those names than I do. Wow. It's pretty good. That's a second grader in our Christian school. Isn't that pretty good? That's pretty good right there. 
Wow, that's, if I would have known you had all those names, Dave, I would have picked another one for you. But, but what does the Spirit do? He guides and he directs. The Holy Spirit does these things. As we look tonight, we see, number one, that the Holy Spirit is a person. Number two, as we go through here tonight, the Holy Spirit is God. As I mentioned earlier, a lot of times people don't have a hard time understanding that the Holy Spirit is God. But there are some things that we need to cover underneath this, and I'm not going to take long so we can move on with other things, because I think we kind of understand this to some degree. But when you think about it, and we think about the Holy Spirit, we think about the fact that He has the attributes of deity. He has the attributes of deity. We've looked at the attributes of God. We've seen how the attributes of God carry over, and Jesus has those attributes except for when he limited himself putting on flesh for those few years, but he was still God that entire time. But the attributes of the Holy Spirit, you think about the fact that he's all-knowing. He knows everything. Isaiah 40, verse 13 and 14. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. Um, Psalm 139, verse number 7. The Holy Spirit has no beginning and no end. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. He was there in creation, just as the Father and just as the Son was there. Um, he's all truth. He guides us in all truth. He is the spirit of truth, the Bible tells us. So we see the fact that the Holy Spirit is God. We see some things around that because the fact is he has the attributes of God. Letter B, we see in the Bible statements of deity. Statements of deity found in the Bible. He's called the spirit of God. We saw that earlier in one of the verses that was read. And being the Spirit of God, that's pretty, that's pretty plain there. And um, you also could see, remember how we read earlier about Ananias and Sapphira and how they lied to the Holy Spirit? The very next verse says, While it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not under thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? And this is what Peter says to them. Thou hast not lied unto men but unto God. The verse before that said they lied to the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is God. There's a statement of his deity that he is God. Just another proof there. We also see, letter C, he has some divine titles. And these titles help us know that the Spirit is God. Those, the, you know, we can go through them here. The Spirit of truth. He's mentioned as the Spirit of truth. Who has 1 John 5, 6? Is that you, Jenna? Go ahead. The Spirit is truth. Good job. And those glasses make you look so studious right there. I like those glasses right there. That's good. Every once in a while in my life, I've just wanted to buy a pair of glasses just so I could look a little bit more studious. And uh, Nick, with those glasses, you look like you should be driving a sports car all the time. That's what I see right there with those glasses. So, and uh, but those are, those are special. I think that's good. So, and let's see, who else? Who's got our next verse? Number two, we see there the spirit of life. Romans 8, 2. All right, Abby. He's called the spirit of life. And isn't Jesus, he is life? You see the divine titles together. Nice job there, Abby. 
You guys are making your teachers proud with these tonight. And so let's keep on looking here. Um, John 7, verse 38 and 39. Josiah, here we go, buddy. Nice job. Nice job. It's a first grader right there. Good work. Do you, it talks about living water flowing from in the belly, and then it says this is speaking of the Spirit. Now, when we think of living water, we don't always think of the Spirit, do we? Who is living water? The water of life. It would be Jesus, right? Oh, wait, they're all part of the Godhead. You see how those things tie together there. And so he's living water. And as we look at that, we see next that he's the spirit of glory. Does someone have 1 Peter 4.14? Or was that it? Where we got to with all those. So, 1 Peter 4. Let's go there real quick. 1 Peter chapter number 4. And everybody want to do another? Where are we at? We're at 12 after. Everybody up to do one more round of verses for me and help me out? All right, so we're going to go through. And I'm going to give one more set of verses out tonight. And then if we don't, from there, if we don't have enough we'll just go with what we got so and there's so much here we're not going to even get through all of it but that's all right i would rather have too much than not enough right all right so if you want to read a verse for me all right so caroline first peter 414 um who's next david you can do matthew 118 all right zane you want one we'll give you isaiah 4310 um, Jenna, Isaiah forty-five twenty-two. Um, anybody else? Nick, um, Genesis one twenty-six and three twenty-two. Can you do both of those for me? Um, Abby, John six twenty-seven. Um, Josiah, we'll give you Titus two thirteen. Um, Avon, John one one and one fourteen. So one one and then fourteen. And then um, Eric, John eight fifty eight. Um, we already did ask those ones. Ron, I'll give you Mark one ten and eleven. And then Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen. Who wants that one? Second Corinthians. All right, Allison, we'll give you that one. Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen. First Peter one two. All right, Gary, we'll give you that one. Um, Juan, you had your hand up, right? 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. And then Matthew 28, Annette, 28, 19. All right, and then from there, I'm just going to read the rest because we're going to get to a certain point in our message tonight. So, as we look at this, so we see, as we look at the divine titles, he's the spirit of truth, he's the spirit of life, he's living water. He's the spirit of glory. Who has 1 Peter 4.14? Is that you, Caroline? Go ahead. Do you know Jesus is called the Lord of glory? And God is called the God of glory? And you have the spirit of glory. Do you see how they all tie together, the divine titles there? 
All right, next, number five, we see he's called the Holy Spirit. And David, you got Matthew 118? Go ahead. Ghost, that should have said Holy Ghost, not Holy Spirit, but yes, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, same thing. Good job, David, on that one. So we see the names mentioned, the divine titles that he has. Now, number three, and we're gonna um, we're gonna run through this here. I believe it's important, and I think a lot of people don't understand the Trinity enough, and so we're gonna talk about that. Hey, Ryan, you want to do me a favor? You got your phone back there? Turn the air down a little bit. Joe installed a new thermostat to where it can be controlled from a phone. And good job, Joe, on that one. So bef th this afternoon I wasn't here, and I'm like, oh, the air's not on. I just got on my phone and turned the air on so it would be ready for church. And so good job, Joe. That's good. And then I can also make sure it's off at night. It's actually a benefit both ways. So that's a good thing. So let's quit talking about Joe, though, and let's talk about the Trinity here. The Trinity, as we talk about the Trinity, what I want to do is I want to review with you in letter A, we're just going to review key passages about the Trinity. And this is things to help us as we go through. Did you know the word Trinity is not found in the Bible? You cannot find the word Trinity. But its application and what it's talking about is taught throughout the Bible. Some things we must understand and know about the Trinity. Number one is, there is only one God, the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us, who has Isaiah 43.10? Okay. Isaiah none before him and none after. There's one God. Who has Isaiah 45, 22? Jenna, go ahead. It's pretty simple there, right? I'm God, there's none else. So you, one of the things you could also understand there is there is only one capital G-O-D. One God. This world has many little gods. But there's only one true God. So as we look at the, and understand the Trinity, that's the first part. There is only one true God. Next, number two, we see yet God refers to himself in the plural as us and our. Go ahead and read for me Genesis 1.26. Now, that wasn't God referring to the angels and saying, hey, let's, um, should we make them, no. At, the, at creation, we know according to the Bible, the Father's there. The Creator is Jesus, right? Isn't that? He spoke this world into it, it says. And the Spirit of God, they all three played a part. In fact, Elohim even has to do with singular yet plural. And there's more I go to there. But the Bible tells us, he says, let us, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. You got Genesis 3.22 as well.
We see once again, they like us, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. We, one of my, God has a sense of humor too, and we are, I don't have time to get into all of it, but in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, man said, let us build this up to God, let us do this, and God says, let us confound their language, and we're, you know, and so God does have a sense of humor, uh, but I want you to understand, and I know he has a sense of humor because how he made some of you in this room, but that's for another time to get into more details about that, Lori. But anyway, so we see yet God refers to himself in plural as us or are. So there's only one God, but you still see us. So what does that mean? We got to understand some other things. We got to understand the fact, number three, that the Father is God. We know this already. John 6, 27. Who has that verse? Could you read that for me? John 6, 27. Whoever has it? Abby? John. And we see that the Father is God. God the Father. Do you see that in, in that verse? We also see that Jesus Christ is God. Titus 2.13. Is that you, Josiah? Go ahead, buddy. You see how Jesus Christ called the great God and our Savior Titus 2.13. Avon, I think you got John 1.1 1, 1 and 1.14. Read those for us. We see that Jesus Christ is God. Then John 8.58. Remember how Moses asked God, how are they going to know who you are? I am. And Jesus referred to himself as the I am. They wanted to kill him. And uh, Christ is God. We also see that the Holy Spirit is God. We already mentioned those verses, how they lied to the Holy Spirit. And we see you haven't lied to men, but to God. We see proof of that. With that being said, the three are distinct from each other but they all make up the one God. So number seven, we see some of their, and how do we know they're distinct from one another? There's great proof of that at the baptism of Christ. Mark 1, verse 10 and 11. Whoever has that, could you read that for me? So who came up out of the water? The Son, the Spirit descended, and the Father spoke. You see how they all three are one, but separate. And then we see there are a few times in the Bible where we see the Trinitarian statements made. Like um, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. Does someone have that verse? So do you see how 
Paul closes out with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost right there. First Peter two one. Who's going or one two? Sorry, John, uh, Gary. See how our salvation works. See how that all that uh, the sprinkling of Jesus' blood, the sanctification of the Spirit, and the Father. You see all that mentioned there. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through 6. And so you see Spirit, Lord, Jesus, God, Father. All mentioned together. And Matthew 28, 19. As we go, who's got Matthew? Anyone got that one? Let's go ahead and that. So do you see? Once again, those are the Trinitarian statements of the Godhead. And uh, where are we at on time? Everyone doing all right? We're doing all right? We're around the finish line here in just a minute. We see letter B. We see the different functions within the Trinity. And we just could read through those. The Father, from whom all revelation proceeds, the one who foreknew our salvation and demonstrated his love for us by giving us his only son. And, uh, you know, you think about only the Father knows when Jesus is coming. Did you realize that? Isn't that what the Bible says? Jesus doesn't even know. That's, that, that's so crazy to even stop and think about. We see the God, the Son, the incarnate God who gave his life as a sacrifice for sin and now intercedes and mediates between the Father and men. And then we see God the Spirit. He indwells the believer and works to sanctify the believer through the illumination of the Word of God. And I could give you longer definitions for all those, but I think those fit. So you see that each part of the Godhead plays a vital role in everything. But it's one God. Three persons. And if that doesn't blow your mind, the Trinity, then I don't know what to tell you. If you think you got that all figured out, then you can help me understand that completely. I've had people be like, I just want to understand it. I'm like, so do I completely. And when, I, when you get it figured out, you let me know as well. We're going to go just a little bit further, and then we'll be done. We're going to look at tonight the work, um, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, number five. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. What we're going to do is we are going to go through A, B, and C, and then I'm going to leave the end of this for next week as we talk about being filled with the Spirit. So as we talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in salvation, I want you to understand what the Spirit does. And as we look at this, and when we think on these things, and we talk about the ministry, the first thing that we see is the filling, the, or the involvement of the Holy Spirit in salvation. When we look at that, so... The involvement of the Holy Spirit in salvation. How does, he, how does he work in salvation? Well, it begins, number one, with conviction of sin. The Holy Spirit of God convicts us of our need for a Savior. John 16, verse 7, 8, someone read those verses earlier. But it is the Spirit of God. Now, let me just help you out right here. Those of you that witness, which every Christian should be a witness. I think we've understood that. You are not called to be a salesman. 
You're not called to, oh, i got to have the right words and everything else. This is the thing. The Spirit of God convicts someone of their need for Him, not you. And this is the problem we have in Christianity today. We have too many Christians that are trying to do the work of the Holy Spirit. We want to go a step further. There are many pastors that try to do the work of the Spirit. It's the Spirit's job. If I preach the Word and I'm preaching God's Word to you and you're not, that's on you and your relationship with Him, not me. Conviction of sin. We also see what does He do about, he, we see the acknowledgement as, of Christ as Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 3. It goes so much further. And a couple of these verses I'm going to have you look at because a lot of people get stuck on some of these things. How about regeneration? Bible tells us in Titus chapter number 3, and I'm going to read those for you, verse 5 and 6. Titus 3, verse 5 and 6. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. The Holy Spirit, what does he do? He indwells the believer. Romans 8 and one of the things, I put all those references there, and maybe there's some of you here tonight, you're like, I don't take notes, I don't, don't do well with that. I get that. Some people don't. It's easier for you to pay attention, not write down all the notes. I would grab a set of notes just to have all the verses that are listed. My, more than you taking notes is just getting the Bible verses in your hands so you can look at these later on. I want you to be, a, I want you to be like the church in uh, Berea, right? They diligently search the scriptures. I want you to go home and be like, well, pastor taught on this. Let me read these and see if pastor is doing his job from the Bible. But we look at Romans 8, verse number 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And we see the fact that he indwells the believer. Now, this is one that people get confused with sometimes. Number five, we see the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, let me help you out with a couple thoughts before we, end, before we go a little any further here. There is never a command for you to, uh, to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He does that at salvation. There is never a command for you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That happens at salvation. When I say that, I want you to look with me at 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to see what baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about here. Now, I know there are those that, are, that will say, well, in the book of Acts, they were baptized with the Spirit. The first time something happened, it was different than how it always took place. The first Gentile believers that got saved we see the apostles went and saw, and the Spirit coming upon them signified the fact that they actually were saved. You see nowhere else in the, in the doctrine of the church and Paul's epistles where it happened that way. The moment of salvation, the Spirit of God indwells the believer. We are baptized into one body at the moment of salvation. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink 
into one spirit. I want you to understand something tonight, that the baptism of the spirit is something God does. Man has nothing to do with it. You get baptized in the baptistry at church, it's a picture of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, just like the Lord's Supper is a picture of his broken body and his shed blood. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism doesn't get the Holy Spirit to come inside of you. Baptism of the Holy Ghost means that when you get saved, you have been baptized into the body of Christ. Now, Christians don't, there are some Christians and Baptists that don't like talking too much on this either. I'm not afraid to talk about it. If the Bible talks about it, I'll talk about it all day long with you. That's what you got to understand. Today, the church functions in local bodies. In the Bible, you had the church in Corinth. That was a church that Paul wrote to. You had the church at Ephesus, the church at Philippi, the church at Colossae, and all these different areas. Today, we have local bodies. But when you get saved, you become part of the body of Christ. And someday, I don't care if you're a Baptist, if you're a Nazarene, if you're Pentecostal, whatever the case may be, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and in Him and Him alone, someday you, we are all going to be a part of that body in heaven. And, there, and we look and we talk about, you know, you hear the universal, Catholicism talks about a universal church and all those different things. In all reality, there is going to be a universal church in heaven. We are called out of this place into one body. And may I just help out, if there's any of you that are this way in this room, just being a Baptist doesn't mean that you're the only part of the bride of Christ and no one else is. There are Baptists that are dumb enough to think that. And I did just say, dumb enough to think that. And think that you have to be baptized by a descendant of John the Baptist, or your baptism is, in, that's such baloney. There are Baptist churches, and I'm sorry, I shouldn't go off on these things, but there are Baptist churches, unless you're baptized in a Baptist church, you got to get rebaptized again. I don't think that's what it was called to be. You, if you get sa saved by grace through faith and you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and you are scripturally baptized afterwards, not for your salvation, but scripturally baptized, that's good enough. That's where it should stop. And I've, I, I've sat under an ordination board a while back for a guy, and poor guy, they just threw him to the wolves. And that's one of the questions one of them asked them. And they just get done saying there, some of these pastors, we believe the Bible is the Word of God and we follow what the Bible says. But then they talked about baptism. They said, unless you've been baptized in the Baptist church, your baptism is not valid. I'm like, could you show me a verse? I didn't say that because it wasn't my, I just, I was quiet there. I was very quiet. But they said, well, baptism determines your doctrine. Can you prove that to me in the Bible? Show that to me in the Bible. You can't show that to me in the Bible. So if you're going to be a Bible believer, then follow what the Bible says. And if your tradition goes against the Bible, go with what the Bible says. The Bible's always right. Man's traditions are always wrong. And I don't know that I need to say anything else about that. And if I offend you with that, I don't care. It's the Bible, and you can take it. Or just ask the Holy Spirit about it. Let him, let him work on you. Um, but you know there's never a command to be baptized by the Spirit. There's never a command to be sealed by the Spirit of God. Those are all things He does. At salvation, He indwells you. At salvation, you are baptized into one body. At salvation, you are sealed by the Holy Ghost forever. Nothing that you and I do. That was one of the questions I mentioned that church earlier that, um, that, um, 
that was part of our prison ministry. And they said, well, one of the things that we want to make sure is, because we deal with a lot of convicts at our church, we don't want them just think they can get saved, and then if they mess up, that they can keep their salvation. Men trying to make everything work. Let's just get it straight. You had nothing to do with any of it. God is gracious, and God loved you enough that he convicted your heart, and you were willing to listen. But he saved you. It was his blood that saved you. And on top of all that, he's the one who indwells you. He's the one who baptized you into the one body, and he's the one who seals you forever. You didn't do anything for any of that. And you never could and never will be able to. But there are a lot of people that have a hard time. Now, I know you look and you're like, Pastor, this is like deep. It's doctrine. Most people don't know doctrine. Be grateful you're in a church that preaches doctrine. With that being said, we're going to round the, we're basically done. But I want you to understand something. Next week we're going to go, and let me just give you those last two and we'll just end it there. Letter B, we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I already mentioned it. There's a lot of confusion about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. And many, uh, many times they're confused as being the same thing, but I want you to understand something. The baptism of the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit are not the same thing. The filling of the Spirit is going to be talked about next week. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit, these are just a few little things, if you want to remember these things, happens at the time of conversion, places the believer into the body of Christ, and involves the receiving of the Holy Ghost as a seal of a promise from God. I basically already said all that a few minutes ago, but I wanted to reiterate it one more time for you. And then we see letter C, and lastly, we see being sealed by the Spirit. And you've got to understand something. The Holy Spirit of God being inside of us, that's the best way to know that you're saved. That's how we know we're children of God, by the Spirit of God working inside of us, right? But when you get saved, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You can look at the Holy Spirit. You know, you look at today, you go buy a car, you buy a house. What do you do? You give a down payment saying, I'm good for the rest of it. You know, I don't have $50,000 for a car, but here's a 5000 that's a down payment, and I'm going to make good on my promise. The Holy Spirit is God's down payment on our eternity. And the Holy Spirit, God says, I'm going to give you my spirit. He will guide you. He will make every—he'll take care of you. I, it's necessary for me to go away because you need the spirit. And so a lot of people get confused about a lot of those things. Next week, we're going to park on being filled with the Spirit, and that will take up probably more than just one week, but we'll see what happens. Father.